Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. We'll look ahead to England's T20 World Cup semi-final with India as both sides suffer injury doubts ahead of the game in Adelaide. And we'll hear exclusively from England all-rounder Sam Curran. India head coach Rahul Dravid will discuss a sensational 12 months for Sky, Surya Kumar Yadav. And we'll ask how England can stop him. As well as that, Netherlands fast bowler Paul van Meerkeren will join us after they shocked South Africa to not only eliminate the Proteas, but also secure their own automatic qualification for the 2024 T20 World Cup in the West Indies and the USA. We'll end the show in part four by discussing the latest news closer to home as three of our TalkSport colleagues land permanent positions in English cricket and the search for a new head coach at Durham could soon be over. So plenty to come over the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Well, Hami, um, not only is David Milan highly doubtful for the India semi-final, but uh, Mark Wood also um, apparently got two or three steps into a warm-up lap of the ground at the Adelaide Oval before deciding that he might be better off in his room. He described it as just general body stiffness. So I don't, you would know a lot more about that than me, um, but I'd take that to be, I'll be fine. Just need a good rub down. Yeah, I need a good rub down, a little bit of time in the swimming pool as opposed to on my feet. Um, I've got four overs to bowl to get England into a, a final. If it's general stiffness, I've got no doubt that Mark Wood will play. If it's something more serious than that, then that's a concern from an England point of view. Uh, I don't believe Milan has got any chance of playing in this game. So England's balance could be could be altered, especially at the Adelaide Oval. And what I mean by that is... I think England might go for another bowler to bowl full and straight, which Jordan does very, very well because the dimensions of the Adelaide Oval. I know Surikam Yadav is in an unbelievable form and he, he has had, if he has got any weakness in the last 12 months, it's been against a left-arm spinner. But I ain't bringing any left-arm spinner, Liam Dawson, into the equation because obviously England have got a chance to bring in a, a replacement, a substitute, um, because obviously David Milan, but... I ain't bringing him into this game. I think I'd go if I am going to change a side. Phil Salt's played at the Adelaide Oval before for the, the strikers. Uh, I know Jason Gillespie thinks highly of him from his time down at, uh, in, in obviously in Sussex. And then he's gone off to, obviously to, up to Lancashire, but he's played a lot for the strikers in the uh, in the big big bash. He is an option to go in first. Um, but for me, I'd change the balance of the side. I'd go with Chris Jordan to bowl Yorkers at the death especially on the dimension size of the Adelaide Oval. If Sam Curran had been struggling at the death, then uh, I, I would agree. There just seems to be a general consensus that uh, England will replace uh, batsman with batsman, although Phil Salt's not a repairman uh, in the manner that Dar- David Milan is. Sam, Sam has done a fabulous job at the death. Those numbers 
He's bowled 40 balls in the death overs. He's conceded 32 runs, which is extraordinary, and taken seven wickets, although those numbers are somewhat polished by the five mm. he took against Afghanistan. Um, but let's hear from Sam Curran. It's a huge blow. Um, I, I personally don't know how, how bad it is, but um, I guess we hope he's, he recovers quickly. But um, if he does miss our game, he's an incredible player. Um, he'll be a big loss for us, but um, we've got a lot of guys who haven't played this tournament who have been training really well. And um, if they get that opportunity in a World Cup semi-final, I'm sure they'll they'll grab it with both hands and hopefully put in a great performance. Not what you're picking the team, but you obviously got replacements, like you mentioned. Their full salt would wouldn't be a you know, with him coming in, he's certainly capable of runs as well. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, they they're all quality players, and if if Phil Salt does come in, he's Salt is obviously incredibly gifted and talented player who can take the take the take it to the opposition and um he's Adelaide is actually his home ground previous years mm. in the big bash as well so um that he'll if he does play he'll take huge confidence from that um he's actually been the one showing us all the spots in Adelaide so um fingers crossed he can be the, the guy to to win it to win it in a in a world cup so um no it's been great looking at the lineup um, Sam, you, you've clearly the, the batting lineup is, it, it goes so deep. It's absolutely amazing. You got a brilliant start, as you mentioned there, against Sri Lanka with, with, with Hales and Butler. There must be a real confidence within your team and your squad that you've got guys that can get runs. Yeah, we are. I think um, we haven't actually. I personally feel we probably haven't played our, our perfect game yet. We've just done enough to to get to the semi-finals, which I think is a good thing. Coming up against India, we know we've got so many so many match winners. There's a lot of guys who are hit, playing really well in the nets and in training, which um, hopefully come Thursday night, there'll be a few of us who have really good nights to remember. And I guess that we just won more, one more step and we will hopefully be in a final. But um, yeah, India's going to be a massive challenge. Mm-hmm. They, they are an incredible team. We know that. And um, they're incredibly well supported as well. So um, I think it might feel like mm-hmm. a... I really, we won't have many English fans out there. Sam Curran, um, just well, to think a year ago, he was, uh, well, for the last couple of years, I mean, just before the injury, he didn't quite know what his role was. Nobody seemed to know what his role was. Or perhaps it was just an unwillingness or a reluctance to actually give him a role, define his role. But uh, as we've discussed in the last couple of weeks, that is now entirely um, established, isn't it? I mean, he's still still flexible. He can still do everything, but he's got a clear job. Two up front, two at the end, generally. And as we said, a luxury number seven on number eight. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been the common. We said that last week. It's been the common for me, culmination of a, a prospering career and finally sort of coming to blossom off the back of an injury, which sometimes does happen when you can have a, a time to reflection on what you're early part of your career was and then go again. You've got to remember, he is still a very, very young man. The only thing I will say about that man is when I, when I see his bowling, he has bowled very, very well to death. He's bowled into massive outfields and he's bowled into the pitch. So he's bowled left arm into the surface and he's used the dimensions at mid-wicket and at square leg very, very well. Don't do that at Adelaide Oval. If he does that at the Adelaide Oval, he will go miles because the pace that he bowls at and the size of the ground square. So he'll have to change, and I've got no doubt he will, because this is what the analysts will be talking him with. He has to pull that a little bit fuller, possibly use the angle of a little bit wider to make sure that they're hitting the ball straight down the ground. Because if he does drag it down into the surface, the size of the ground square, 65 metres, if that, then the game plan he's been using at the MCG and at Brisbane, it's a bit different. He's been bowling at 80 metre boundaries. These are different boundaries altogether. So I think he will He will have to, even though he's going well, I'm sure the bowling coaches, they have to be saying to him, you know, the plan is that little bit, it has to be altered just a touch because we want the ball to be hit straight down the ground as opposed to being square of the wicket. So that's something to watch out for over the course of that semi-final that these bowlers now who bowl, you know, cutters into the surface. And I know Arshdeep Singh does exactly the same. Bhubaneshwar Kumar is the same when he bowls his slower balls. He bowls them a little bit shorter into the surface on a used pitch, even though it's going to grip. I still think the size of the boundaries will will, will come into play. So you'll see a lot of the slower balls, but they'll be a lot fuller. So they're going down the ground from a bowling point of view. I should have mentioned that uh, Sam uh, Curran was speaking to Laura Woods and Ali McCoyston on TalkSport Breakfast um, earlier this morning. Let's talk Adil Rashid. Um, he made a pretty quiet start to the tournament, didn't he? But how refreshing and how rare 
is it for the for a, a bowler who takes one for sixteen to be given the man of the match award? But um, yeah, no no quibbles after the that Sri Lanka game. None whatsoever. I thought he was absolutely brilliant again. Was a deal. It doesn't matter if you take wickets. It's about the the, the twenty over unit. And I think even though he wasn't taking wickets, he was contributing in the twenty over overs. As somebody who was dragging the run rate back and making sure that other bowlers like Mark Wood, Sam Curran, they were taking the wickets. So it's not about who gets them. It's about making sure that you get enough during 20 overs to make sure that the run rates kept down, that you either defend or you, you've given your team a, a good chance of, of attacking a total. So even though Adil's wicket column isn't as big as what it probably could be in this, this tournament so far, and I say that so far because there's still hopefully two games to go for Adil, that he will come to the party from a wicket point of view later on. But his, his bowling's not been any different to what it was, say, when he was taking a bag full of wickets either in the summer or in previous years. Uh, other people have just been cashing in off the back of how well the deal with Sheeda's bowl. Well, strangely enough, he completely agrees with you. As long as we're winning as a team, as long as I'm trying my best and trying to develop and, and stick to the team, you know, Sometimes you may bowl well, not get wickets. You know, don't bowl as well, wickets come. That's T20 cricket, always goes ups and downs. And, and that's what will happen, continue happening throughout, not just mine, but everybody's career. It's very rarely would you ever go through every game getting wickets or getting runs. So, but you always go through the ups and downs in cricket, but you always work hard in the nets. And for myself, in terms of bowling variations and, and skills, and you try to implement that uh, in the game. And sometimes it comes off, sometimes it doesn't. And that's T20 cricket, but it's making sure that you always have that self-belief in, in yourself. That was Adil Rashid um, just confirming he wasn't at all worried about uh, the paucity of wickets because um, T20 cricket is a team game above every other format and it's that everything is geared towards the team, the result, the team's performance, uh, no matter what yours are personally. Um, let's move to the top of the order then. Alex Hales reflecting on uh, his uh, new lease of life in England colours after three years in the wilderness. Yeah, it's been brilliant. It's been so much fun. You know, Great to be back around the guys and it's been really smooth and enjoyable and to get a chance to play in a World Cup in a country that I've you know, spent a lot of time and is, you know, means a lot to me um, is a great feeling. So it'd be, it'd be the cherry on top if we can walk away with a medal. Well, he's taken his chance, hasn't he? Um, we'll hear from him in a moment. He was asked about uh, whether he thinks he might carry on in the England team and play um, in next year's 50-over World Cup. But he's grabbed his opportunity, hasn't he? I mean, I don't think that everything is is Rosie in the Rose Garden or the change room. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that he is still refinding his feet, but he's taken his chance on the field. He has, yeah. And I think he's, hopefully he's mending a few wounds that are still, I don't think they're wide and gaping open, but I still think there's, the hangover from the Owen Morgan days is still, I think it's still there. But as a performance, he's getting better. I thought he, he was slow in, in Pakistan. He's now... And better, and this is where the business took the end of the tournament, and where you have to stand up. And Alex Hills, who hasn't sort of featured IPL wise in recent recent times, or heavily featured in IPL recent times, what better way to come back and reannounce yourself as a, an international cricketer to beat India in the 2020 semi final uh, with a view to playing a final at the MCG? So he looked very, very good and accomplished the other night, and I think he's getting better as the tournament's gone on. So that's good signs for England. But he's so important. He is. The way he gets off the start, it's so important because he gives Joss just that little bit more breathing space at the top to get himself going in and innings because I think Joss Butler does need four or five balls to get himself in a position to start striking at, you know, to go through the gears. And I think player, a player like Alex Hills and, and Phil Salt, whoever, you know, Phil Salt might open the baton here as well. They give Joss a chance just to to breathe a little bit before you know the captain does start sort of going through the gears. So, you know, Heels did that very very well um, against Sri Lanka, and he's gonna have to be added again against India if he does go in first. He might go in at number three. I wouldn't surprise me if England player Phil Salt, uh, Alex Heels bats at number three, and Phil Salt opens a baton. This is what he said actually about uh, his prospects or hopes of playing uh, in next year's 50 over World Cup. I'll be honest with you, I haven't had that conversation. I haven't really sort of looked that far ahead. I just wanted to enjoy this World Cup in Australia, try and perform as well as I can and, and see what happens. But to, I'll be honest with you, I haven't had that conversation yet. But I haven't played a 50-over game in maybe three years, so yeah. probably need to try and um, you know, find, a, find a way to play that format before. But if that chance comes along, then great. Alex Hales um, reflecting on the possibilities of playing at the 2023 50-over World Cup. On the subject of the captain... 
Um, you talk about going through the gears. I just get the feeling with Joss Butler that he he may well be, and it's rarely talked about because his ball striking is so incredible and his strike rate is so incredible. I just think that one aspect of the game that he might be amongst the very best in the world at is assessing conditions. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, people will say, oh, he wasn't at his most fluent best because he wasn't smashing balls in the power play. But I think sometimes he recognises earlier than any other opener in the world, this is not a 180 or this is not a 200. This is a 160. And I think that he, far from not being at his fluent best, I think he deliberately keeps himself in third mm. gear sometimes. If he And this pitch will be used for the third time this semi-final. So it might be a bit awkward. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that, definitely. And, but I also I'll go a little bit further on that. I also think he, as a player, he respects the ball that's bowled to him. So he knows his he knows his shots and he knows his scoring areas. And if a ball's not there to be scored off in in the sort of the six hitting way or the boundary way, he kicks it over and he gets himself in a position because he knows for a fact that if he tries to hit something that's not there and he gets himself out, that costs him costs him and costs him the team. But he also knows for a fact, like he did you know, a couple of games ago, he was 25 off 25 balls. And he got seventy. He got seventy three or forty three. So he knows that the longer he's there, the percentage ball will come into his area a lot more, and he will then catch up. But I think the beauty about that is having somebody like Alex Hills or a Phil Salt at the top who score very very quickly from ball one does give him that chance just to sort of give respect from the bowling point of view, make sure that England aren't out the power player because you know for a fact that a heels or a salt might lose their wicket in the first four because of how hard to go. And he makes sure he's there at the end of the power play um, and England aren't under too much pressure. And because of that, England then catch up. Well, he catches up because of the, um, the ridiculous talent he's got and the ball striking ability he's got as the innings goes on, which is exactly what you said. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Um, Rohit Sharma suffered a, an injury scare as well. He was hit um, on the hand in the nets and it looked pretty serious. He dropped his bat and uh, was uh, w- taken off immediately to receive treatment, but was back half an hour later um, facing uh, gentle throwdowns, not full-on uh, bowling in the nets. I suspect he'll be fine. From an India's point of view, you hope so. I must admit when i seen it, I got horrible nightmares from my time in 2002, trying to get a gear when Simon Joe, I carried Simon Jones off at Brisbane on the front end of the stretcher. And I've got a chance to play my second test match in Australia, in an Ashes against that great Australian side. And there was about 5,000 Barmy Army willing me on in the nets. I think second ball of one gone off a length and hit Ashley Giles on the, on the, on just above the glove. And Gilo batted on for 10 minutes, and then, but it was blatantly obvious that he, he couldn't carry on anymore. And he, he broke, I broke his wrist. So and Stina, his wife, I think I seen her yeah, a little bit time later. She gave me a cuddle and she said, thanks for sending my kids' dad home for Christmas. So <laughs> Gilo, had a, Gilo got some time off during that series and I bowled a few more overs because Gilo went home. But the nets at Adelaide are, are good nets. You know, I spent a lot of time on a bouncy. They're a lot more bouncy than what the surface used to be. And when I seen that, I was like, Oof, this could be dangerous because we've seen that happen before. But... It looked as though he came back and had a bat. It looked as though he's had a bat again this morning. So I would imagine Rohit Sharma will be fine. He needs some runs. He hasn't scored a, a massive amount of runs in this tournament so far. But again, big players come on big occasions and nobody bigger than, than Rohit Sharma. And square of the wicket, again, I keep coming back to these boundaries. He hits the ball well, square of the wicket. With that pickup pull he's got off the quick bowlers. And it would be a huge blow for India if their captain wasn't to play in this semi-final. It'd be really interesting to see whether India go with uh, the veteran Dinesh Kartik or um, give Rishabh Pant uh, the gloves. And if they do, where would he bat? I think they'll probably stick with Dinesh Kartik, won't they? Because they made that decision before the tournament. He's going to be their number six. He's going to be their finisher. But the man everybody is talking about is Surya Kumar Yadav, who uh, is just in ridiculous form. I mean, I, I did say before the tournament started, I thought he'd be the, the leading run scorer. This was uh, Rahul Dravid talking about Sky. That's good. I mean, it's incredible. And that's why he is the number one T20 player in the world at the moment because of 
of that consistency in a format where uh, scoring at the strike rate that he does, it's not easy to be consistent with the kind of strike rate he's scoring at. Uh, so it's just fantastic just the way he's playing. I think he's been very clear in his processes. He's very clear about his tactics. And I think he's worked very hard. You know, I think one of the things about Surya is uh, is just the amount of hard work that he's put in, in the nets, uh, in thinking about his game, his fitness. I mean, if I look at Surya from a couple of years ago, just to see uh, how he takes care of his body and the amount of time he spends on his fitness. Uh, I think he's just really earning the rewards for a lot of the hard work that he's put in on and off the field. Uh, and, and long may it continue. Uh, and I think he's been absolutely phenomenal for us. And, uh, you know, he's just a joy to watch. It's a it's a pleasure to watch him bat when he's in that kind of form. And it's like uh, he puts on a show, without a doubt. It can be a blessing or a curse when you've got one batsman in such great form. And certainly for the opposition, you know, they have all their attention drawn towards him. And then somebody like KL Rahul or, you know, someone else in the in the top order makes a packet of runs and you think, oh, dear, we forgot about him. But um, he is he is a phenomenon. And I don't know. Well, you you ruled out the possibility of Liam Dawson coming in because, of, you know, the matchup stats analysis people mm. tell us that his weakness is against left arm spin. And um <laughs> I'm not being disdainful or, or cynical or sceptical, but I do think that maybe a little bit too much can be made of matchups. So how we, how do England stop him? Uh, that's the, 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 the million-dollar question. The one thing I will say is England are desperate for Mark Wood to be fit because I think that's where England can possibly get at the middle order of, of, um, of India, especially at Adelaide. The, the surface of Adelaide has gone through. It's kissed through. So it's been a little bit more pierce on it. But like we said, it's it's a used pitch. It's the third game that's on it. Uh, so from a spin point of point of view, you might see Adil Rashid bowling a lot of googlies, a lot of wrongings towards Tariqumar Yadav, ball going back in towards the stumps as opposed to going away from the stumps. I think Mark Wood would be a huge tool for me if I was Joss Butler in that middle old, middle over period. I wouldn't necessarily have him up front at the top as much as what he has been doing. And I would strike with Mark Wood in the middle overs and 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 really sort of go and try and get his bowling as fast as I possibly could and challenge the the sort of ticker of, of the Indian batsman. Nobody likes pace. Nobody likes extreme pace. And good players can use it. They might not like it, but they can use it and they can use it to their own advantage. But I think Mark Wood is a trump card. And that, for me, is why I'd go with the extra seam bowler in Jordan playing. Because if I went heavily with Mark Wood in the middle, Probably not going to bowl Mo and Ali as much. Not going to bowl eight, nine overs of spin because it's India. I might need two overs at the, uh, at the one at the end of the power play and one at the end of the innings, possibly two at the end of the innings on a seam bowler. And that would be that's why I picked Chris Jordan. Um, and I'd use Mark Wood in the middle to sort of handbrake off on a 95 mile an hour. And if they hit him for 40, if not 40 in four overs bowling at 95 mile an hour, well, then they deserve to win. They really do. So that's where I'd go with Mark Wood and go more aggressive in the middle. But if you do that, then you're losing a couple of overs, one at the end of the power play and one at the end of the innings. And I think that's why I go with an extra seamer in the game as opposed to bringing another spin bowler in. Got to remember India, no matter what surface you play on, you're playing against India and bowling spin to India. You just can't. So for me, you've got to go with something that be more of a power tool. And I would use, I would use Wood to get at that middle order of Kohli, Surakumi Yadav, and possibly Rishabh Pant, because Rishabh Pant might play as well as Dinesh Kartik, because Pant might bat at number five. OK, let's turn our attention to the SCG on Wednesday. New Zealand against Pakistan. My burning question I want to ask you is, did anything at all in your career ever compare to Pakistan getting into the semi-finals? Was there ever a moment you thought, we are absolutely gone here, we're history, we've got no chance whatsoever? Because that is undoubtedly what they were thinking. They were not thinking, well, perhaps the Netherlands can beat South Africa. I mean, in the championship or any competition, did you ever think we are 100% gone here and then you weren't? No, not as not as much as that. Not as much as what the, the South Africa against Netherlands. There was, there was the other way around. I've many times I'm thinking, we've well, we can't lose from here. I still have a nightmare at a champ, Champions Trophy final in 2004. In the dark, I was bowling eight. I was bowling 96, 97 mile an hour at Courtney Brown, and I forget who the other the other two then that came in near at the end. 
It was pitch black bowling Yorkers at 98 mile an hour. We were, we were keep slogging them for what, blinking them for four. We could not get beat in that game. Two chess and 220, they were 100, 110 for eight. I'm thinking there's no way that the West Indies can get this. And then they got it. So I've been on the end of one the other that way, but there's not many times where you're sitting there thinking there's, there's not a cat and hell's chance of qualify. Uh, we can qualify here because of the, the results are just not possible. It doesn't work like that. Um, there's no way the Netherlands can possibly beat South Africa. And South Africa with Unric Nokia, Lungi Ngidi and Kigisa Rabada. There's not a hope in hell that South Africa can can lose from here. And boy, they did. And is it destiny that Pakistan play India in an MCG 98,000 final on the 13th? Or, is it the 13th of November? Yeah. It could possibly happen. It could happen. And can you imagine the, the noise that would be in the MCG that day? But hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's India, Pakistan. Uh, sorry, England, Pakistan. Ian Bradshaw. Ian Bradshaw, yeah. There was Ian Bradshaw, Courtney Brown. I can't remember who we got out. Somebody got out just before. I was thinking, that's it. It's game over. It is. It's game over. There were eight down for and it was like, it was pitch black. Can't believe the game didn't, wasn't called off. But hey, we, there was no way we were losing that game. And I'm still having nightmares about it. So I'm sure that's how Pakistan were feeling when they finished their game, waiting for the South Africa Netherlands just to tick a box, South Africa get through and play New Zealand in the semi-final. But boy, were Pakistan royally surprised. Yeah, I'm going to add to your nightmares now by mentioning Ricardo Powell. Anyway, yes, Ricardo um, Powell. He was, yeah, <laughs> that was the other one. It's Scott Taylor, our producer, is feeding these names to me. It's not my photograph. <laughs> so, so Pakistan have a, a second life. I mean, you know, just they've got to go... Uh, Barbara Azam, cheapest. Um, he's averaging seven, I think, a strike rate of 50. He's had a shocking tournament. But um, Mahmoud Rizwan and him, they've got to come good sometime, haven't they? And they can play with absolute freedom. They've made the semifinals. That's the minimum requirement. And um, they can just go out there and, and, and to the Kiwis, take it to the New Zealanders, New Zealanders. And I think they will. I think they'll win. I think they've got a chance. I look at Barbara Azam and go, how on earth can he be averaging with that strike rate off the back of the way he played in Pakistan against England? It was like, this bloke's coming to the tournament in unbelievable form. He's going to take the world by storm. And obviously it, it hasn't happened. But when you get to the big stage and the big occasions, we've said this a couple of times, the big players turn up. That Virat Kohli's turned up so far. Babarazam hasn't yet. He probably came into this tournament, probably one of the best players and multi-format players in world cricket. And it wouldn't surprise me at Sydney if he if he if he beats New Zealand. And the only the only thing with that is New Zealand a few times now have have, have threatened to win one of these world global tournaments final semi final final semi final final twenty nineteen. I think New Zealand Kim Williamson and a few others Trent Bolt and Tim Southey will be saying just get us England in the final. We want England in the final because we owe England. It's got to it's got to turn our way. It's got to come our way, and I'm sure that's what Ken and, and and a few of the older boys were probably thinking their last one of their last tournaments that we're going to put that 2019 wrong right, not far from home over at the MCG. So I'm sure New Zealand will be wanting England in the final, and I'm sure there's a lot of cricket fans who would want India Pakistan in the final. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the course of them sort of 48 hours. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to Netherlands fast bowler Paul van Meekeren after the Dutch shocked South Africa and qualified for the 2024 T20 World Cup in the process. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. 
Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast. And I'm delighted to say it's that time of the show now. As promised at the top, we're joined live by uh, Netherlands um, fast bowler Paul van Meekeren, who joins us from Adelaide. I think his teammates have uh, have begun the journey back um, back home. It may, might even have got there, but Paul has stayed on um, in his uh, capacity as a representative on the uh, on FICA Federation of International Cricketers Associations, and hopefully uh, you also used the time to recover and soak in the extraordinary achievement and and soak in that result, Paul. Yeah, no, we definitely have. There was a a big celebration on on the night of. <laughs> beating South Africa, uh, a game that I originally thought it was a, a game we could target to win, but the way they played the first two or three games of the tournament, it looked very unlikely. But yeah, to walk away with actually such a big scalp is is pretty special. Well, come on to the game in a, just in a second, but what does it mean for, for Dutch cricket that you've now qualified for you know the group stages of the, or the, the next final stages of the 2024 World T20 in uh, the West Indies and in in America. What's that? What's that going to do to to sort of cricket in the Netherlands? That's a very good question. I, it's very tough to hand to 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 tell. The question I've got is how much did people notice it outside the cricket community in Holland, which is fairly unlikely if you look at the, some of the news sites and and the websites mentioned, but. It wasn't really seen on TV or on radio or, you know, hopefully it's a great opportunity for the cricket board and, and for us as players to tell our story in the next two years leading up to the World Cup. What does cricket, what does playing cricket in Holland means? What does it look like? What's the setup like? Because we are very much an amateur or semi-professional setup, except for the seven guys who play county cricket and the one or two guys in New Zealand. To be fair, I've been a, a big advocate on this program about the Netherlands and Ireland, Scotland, possibly playing in English county cricket. You've you've just mentioned there uh, seven players playing in our in the England domestic system. Do you think it would benefit Holland and cricket in the region, in the sort of European region, that um, if they do go and play some county cricket and play against professional sides? Definitely. I mean, my first full year with the Dutch team as a player was the last year we were playing the Pro 40 or the YB40, whatever it was called. And I think our record as a Dutch team was pretty much 50-50. So that showed that we could compete at that level. And we've showed that we can compete against the big teams here in the World Cup. So take a few of the county guys out of it who might play for their representative for their counties. Take a few of the Dutch players who are playing the club cricket in Holland. They can and they will compete in county cricket. I'm there's no doubt in my mind. I've, I've been in the setup for five years. I've played for Somerset for three and a half. I've just finished my first year with Gloucester. I spent a, m- a month with Durham. 
So I've seen the setups. I, I know the level of cricket in the UK, and there's no reason our boys can't compete at that level and, and really put up a fight. You talk about um, the, the cricketing shop window in the Netherlands, but <laughs> never mind that, uh, or do mind that, but what, there's a world shop window. And, um, you know, guys like yourself and, and Fred Carson and some of the younger players, Baz de Lira, Tim Pringle, mm. Vikram Singh. I mean, they're, they're only 19, 20. Um, and all these domestic T20 leagues, I mean, the, uh, the eyes of the cricketing world uh, were on the Netherlands. And, you know, if more of you get contracts in domestic leagues and then come together for the big tournaments, that you'll, that's another way to gain experience. I think world cricket and, and the big, big associate or the big boards when they have their big domestic teams, why not give a, a slot away for associate cricketers and realise how much talent there is in the associate world, not just in Dutch cricket, but the Scottish have many talented players. So do countries as Namibia and Oman and PNG even got some very talented cricketers. My disappointment when the, the new league in Dubai, the International League T20 or whatever it's called, signed uh, Wayne Madison because he has an Italian passport, but he's never played for Italy and he probably will never play for Italy. So now, and that's no disrespect to him because he's a very good player in his right, but in my personal view, he should be playing as a, in a non-associate spot. Uh, the associate player should be protected at least play associate cricket or grown up in the youth system in an associate country. You can't just come and play and take an associate spot because your second passport is a European or an associate passport. Um, that, that was quite frustrating to see and hopefully we can adjust that. But the likes of Fred Klaassen, Brendan Glover, Buster Lady, who are being picked up in those tournaments, they will get some ex amazing exposure and if they get the opportunity to play games, they will show how strong how strong associate cricket is. And the one thing that wasn't frustrating, I'm going to, going to put manners out of his misery now. We've got to talk about that game. You lose a toss, you go out there. You know, Nokia, Rabada and Gidi being fantastic in the tournament. What were your thoughts when you, you know, you've lost the toss and you're, you're obviously going to, going to put a total on the board that you potentially, from your point of view as a bowler, have to defend? I reckon it was a blessing in disguise. I think our we pride ourselves on our bowling. I think our bowling has been our main strength. And I think from a bowling unit point of view, if we could have got anything from 140 plus on the board, we were quite comfortable that we had a chance of defending it. Uh, and this is no dis disrespect to our betters, but maybe if they put 160 on the board, 150 on the board, the way we've been chasing in this tournament, we've struggled. Uh, so it, it almost gave our batsmen the freedom to really just play their natural game and play their cricket. And we got to a very competitive total, which turned out to be more than enough. But I think just being able to have a, a total that we were able to defend gave us, you know, gave us that freedom. And, and that, that was brilliant. And we've pride ourselves in the last few years. If we get 160 on the board with a bet, we believe we can win more games than we lose, which in general, in international cricket or even domestic cricket, 160 is not an, uh, is just below par uh, most of the times. Paul, it's common cause, I think, amongst the cricket-playing world that um, <clears throat> South Africa didn't pitch up for that game. Mark Boucher bemoaned the lack of energy right from the beginning. He said we were never in the game. Um, so uh, you know, there are some people saying, well, but it wasn't a classic South African choke because uh, there was nothing to choke on. <laughs> they, they, they were never in the game. Which I think you know is true, but but why was that? And people talk about these deep psychological scars. How about it was just that the Netherlands put them under pressure right from the start and never let never never let it off. Yeah, no, very good points. Um, something we that's only a question South Africa can answer. We we went in the game that if we can get the score on the board, we felt their betting wasn't as deep as any other team in 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 the tournament. So. You know, if you get past class and, and Parnell comes in at, I think it was eight, no disrespect to Parnell because he's actually developed a lot with the bet, but you're almost into a till where you feel like if you open up one end and you get the other guy off strike, that's where you can win a game. And, and that's exactly what happened this tournament. We took a couple of wickets in the power play and then Brendan Glover was amazing in a nine till 14 over period where he picked up Rousseau, Miller and Parnell. And we opened one end and we were able to get the genuine better off strike and build pressure bowling to, to the le lesser better at that time. 
And Paul, what about the squad that you've got? You've mentioned seven players playing county cricket. Man has just mentioned, you know, four or five players of under 22, 23. You know, what's the ceiling level of this of this squad? Where can they go? And England were in the Netherlands in the in the summer, and we covered it on Talksport Two live on on commentary. And you know, one or two exciting prospects there. Where can this Netherlands team go in the next sort of three to five years? Sky's the limit. The only the, the issues that you got is is where are where are the opportunities for Dutch cricket to play against the big teams? I mean, I think one big reason for our success here at the World Cup is playing England at home. Yes, we've gone for almost five hundred in a game, but we still felt at times we in the other two other two games we were competing. There are arguments to make that we should have won two out of three games against the West Indies. There's an argument to make that we probably should have won one game against Pakistan and we competed against New Zealand in the TT20. So, and that's without the county players available. So it shows that we can compete with the guys who are playing the domestic cricket in Holland. And we, we've pushed teams and we've been competitive in a lot of games. I think the, the, the bowling performance where we are most proud of is actually against India, where they only made 180 runs in the end being two down, we were our last few overs at the death were actually some of the best death bowling you may have seen for Dutch cricket. We were extremely proud the way we we kept our heads on and we didn't panic when the few balls went to the boundary. If we can get a consistent Dutch team out and play against the big teams and we gain that experience, we can turn them over on a regular basis. We're not going to win series, but we're going to win every fifth or fourth game or whatever it is, which for an associate country is probably something 10 years ago, no, no one even thought. No one even thought about winning maybe one in 100 games. I'm thinking we can almost win one every four games, every six games, if we can play consistently in that uh, future tour program or whatever it's called from the ICC. If we can get big games in, and we've mentioned it this trip, why don't test teams come to Holland or Scotland or Ireland for that matter, and play white ball deal, white ball games against us as warm-up before playing England instead of playing against counties who are not even playing their, first, their, their strongest first team because that's a very good window to rest the first team players, especially the bowlers, in a first-class system that has so much cricket where the players need that rest when those touring, touring games are on. Just finally, Paul, from me... Um... A word about the the South African connection in in the in the Netherlands team. I mean, Ryan Cook and Gary Kirsten in the in the um, in the coaching dugout, and and the four players on the field, all of whom contributed significantly um, with bat or ball or in the field. How about Rula for the Mervis catch? Goodness me, was there? Um, I, I would imagine I could be wrong that they were too devastated and shocked to um, to, uh, to have have a beer with you afterwards. But uh, do you think there was any sort of um, uh, is it a double-edged sword for those guys? Because the wounds inflicted on South African cricket, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, uh, would be very, very deep and very, very long-lasting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I think Stefan Myberg mentioned it, that he felt a bit double-sided, where like he was delighted that we won the game, but also knocking his home country out of the tournament. But... At the end of the day, these players are very much committed to Dutch cricket. And no matter who we play against, they are, at that moment of time, they're wearing a, an orange jersey. And <laughs> no matter who they play against, we, we're there to beat them. We're there to compete against them. We're there to win games. And I can't tell why South Africa lost the game or why they didn't pitch up that day. But that's not our problem. We were there to compete. We did our due diligence. We did our homework on the betters. We did our homework on the bowlers. And it's paid off. And, you know, full credit has to go to the support staff that we have there who did their homework, who knew the players. Full commitment has to go to the players who sit there and watch the video footage of the, of the betters and come up with plans against every individual better, which didn't happen in associate cricket 10 years ago. We're going into games better prepared than ever because we, we're looking at the video, we're looking at trends, how batters get dismissed about how they score their runs and we try and come up with plans to make it as tough as possible to score runs and we know what the wicket-taking wicket deliveries are. Well, I have to say, Paul, I've never, ever been more pleased and happy for the underdog than I was on Sunday. Uh, it was a, <laughs> just a brilliant, brilliant performance. Uh, 
as I said, um, you know, uh, uh, the team was pulling in in the same direction so hard and so um, enthusiastically. And I and I echo what Harmi said right at the beginning. Um, hopefully, Netherlands Cricket Board can plan ahead now. I mean, they know that there's money coming in in 2024. They can invest. They can they can make a, a, a long-term plan if, you know, two years is a long-term plan. But that hasn't been a luxury that the Netherlands Cricket Board have been able to enjoy before. Correct, correct. No, yeah, it would, it would be great to see. I think we've got a new high-performance board member who's pushing really hard for some long-term long-term plans instead of the short-term. And we'll see what happens. I mean, it's great to know that we're going to a World Cup and we don't have to fight in a new setup where... Scotland, Ireland or Netherlands was going to miss out on a World Cup ticket the way the ICC planned their new qualifying structure. But, I mean, the story about Dutch cricketers, the guys we have in Holland, like a Fikram Singh, like a Sharice Ahmed, uh, Bas de Leyde. I mean, there are some incredible stories, not just in Dutch cricket, but in associate cricket in general. There's, there's some amazing stories there, which I would love for the world to know and a lot of people would be able to identify with our players probably more so than the English or the South African or the Indian players which has an incredible value I believe to world cricket we'll get you a regular slot on the cricket collective I'll be there <laughs> you know where to find me now you'll be very welcome as well Let's hope so, gents. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's Netherlands fast bowler Paul van Meerkeren. And I have to say that uh, he has got a career in broadcasting uh, awaiting him, if he wants it. Uh, what a brilliant talker and thinker and uh, an incredibly personal, personable man as well. He was talking about um, the number of stories that there are in Netherlands cricket, um, about the fact that you know, none of them can make a living um, by playing cricket. They have to coach and serve behind a bar and do whatever else. They've only got seven grass pitches in the entire country. But uh, it's just fantastic. Do you know who they remind me of? Northamptonshire. Yeah. What did we used to call them? The the the, the wannabes, the, 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 the old, the young, the unloved and the unwanted. The unloved and unwanted, that was it. So you're right. And it, and it, it but they seem to have this great spirit together. And he mentioned there, we are England, England went across... England there got 500. England there got 500 in a 50-over game. And then they had two very good games after that. So it just shows that they can put disappointment behind them. They crashed out of the tournament and came back and beat South Africa. Should have beat West Indies. And we had that them, them games on Talk Sport too. So from that point of view, look, there's been a lot spoke on this show over the last few weeks about the emerging nations or Ireland, who are a test nation, getting more and more cricket. The one thing that qualifying for the, the group stages in 2024 in the West Indies and, and the USA gives them some security and probably more financial reward to get more than seven pitches you know, in Holland. So because of that, then they're struck, they start and build a structure and hopefully that will make their younger players better because they've got some exciting, talented younger players. Seven players playing county cricket, and if they can get that up that little bit more and get put teams, like we've said, go over to Holland on the way into England, on the way out of England, then that can only benefit enhance the game of cricket in 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 obviously in, in the Netherlands. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. South Africa and World Cups. You know, there's always been... A contributing reason, apart from their choking and uh, and their history, there's always been a contributing reason for their premature exits from from World Cups, whether it was the rain or DLS or whatever whatever it was. There's there's always been a reason that has contributed to their demise. And this time, I'll give you a list of the things that contributed to this shock defeat, Harmy. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting to start the section, me, and then throw it over to you and say, "Right, I rant on this program every single week." And Scott Taylor flips things up, sticks them on social media about me ranting about the game of cricket in England. But you live in South Africa and you've watched this tournament. I thought there was a, a possibly a little bit of arrogance about South Africa, thinking they just had to turn up and win. Talksport have had cricket in South Africa. Uh, on a few tours now, and just when you think South Africa should be winning these games or or in in ascendancy, they tend to say, look at each other and go, "Well, nah, he'll do it. 
he'll do it. He'll do it. Somebody else, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will pull us out of trouble or somebody else will finish the job off. And it seemed for me during that Holland game, it was like, we've got too many good players here for it not to happen. And then the beauty about T20 cricket is you've only got to fall asleep at the wheel for two, three, possibly more overs and you've lost. And I thought that's what happened against the Netherlands. I thought they just fell asleep at the wheel, expecting Lungin and Giri, Unric Nukia, Kigiri Sarabada to bowl a three-over spell and go, bang, there's two wickets, three wickets. Or David Miller, Riley Risogo, and whack 30 off 10 balls and completely take the game away from it. And by the end of it, they got outplayed in every single facet. I completely agree that that's what it looked like. I 100% disagree that that's what it was. It looked like complacency and arrogance. In fact, it was a freeze. I'm not a sports psychologist. I'm not a, a sociologist. And I, and I know that uh, this is not my area of expertise, but I, I, I've had 25 years to study the, these things um, as an amateur. And sports psychologists and psychologists will tell you that there's three different aspects of failing to perform under pressure. There's choking, there's panicking, and there's freezing. Choking is overthinking things um, and abandoning instinct. So you, paralysis by analysis, that's a choke. South Africa have been very good at that. Panicking is also something that they've done. That's reversion to instinct. That's when you abandon thought and instinct just takes over, fight or flight. That's not what happened this time. Freezing is what happened this time. And it wasn't because it didn't mean enough. It was because it meant too much. They were lacking in energy. The occasion was just too big for them. And we always look at the end of the game. We look at the run chase. We look at the batting. They needed 159. They lost it in the power play. Rabada mm. and Ngidi were froze. That's what they did. Freezing is immobility um, or partial immobility as a response to the onset of stress. That's, again, psychobabble. But we understand it. That's what they did. Yeah. There's three different things. Choking, panicking, and freezing. And they didn't choke because you need to be in the game. You need to have a chance in order to choke. And Boucher said, we were never in the game. That's what is the most chilling thing about this. And of all of the, the, the debacles, 99 World Cup semi-final tie, the 2015 semi-final, all the times where they have, have choked in a game or they have panicked, this will take the longest to get over because they were never in the game. They never, Mark Boucher said at the end, we didn't rock up for the game. And I think that's why this is going to be the most damaging one of all. And I think the half a dozen players will walk away from international cricket after this. Yeah. And that's the thing for me is we've talked about how over the course of the last sort of month on this show, we've talked about a lot about South Africa cricket. And what we've have said is leading into the um, three, one day nationals against England. Around Which we have exclusive rights for, by the way. We have got exclusive rights for, and I hope I'm going to be over there with next to you with an umbrella and me drinking a couple of days in between the games, but enjoying Kimberley and Bloomfontein. But when <laughs> we've talked heavily about what the next six months means to South African cricket because of the franchise system that's coming into their T20s. Now, with all that, did that have not an adverse effect on their performance or mindset performance. You say it was just too much for them and it was too big of a game for them. But I look at this, this tide and go, Lungingiri, Rabada and Nokia have played a high level of IPL cricket in 2020. They are, they are constantly under pressure. You know, Delhi Capitals always in and around the knockouts. You know, Rabada and Nokia were, were in that. And Giri played it. He's playing play Chennai, Chennai Super Kings. They like to MS Dhoni and all these boys. And you still, you look at on the other, you flip that over. One of the best, one of the, probably one of the best 2020 opening batsmen, arguably in the history of the game, because of what he's done for multi, um, for Mumbai in in the Mumbai Indians in Quentin Decott. Took that in with David David Miller. You're thinking, hold on, these lads shouldn't be freezing or choking or anything like that because. They are serial IPL winners, serial IPL performers, and they're playing against the Netherlands. And that's why I just think it was arrogance and they thought somebody else, somebody will do, somebody will turn up to it and we'll, we'll win comfortably. And they didn't. No, they didn't. Let's hear from Mark Boucher. It is quite frustrating because as a player, you can at least still have a say in the game. As a coach, you, you sort of left to leave it up to other individuals to go out there and, and try to perform. So... No, it's not great. Um, but as I said, you know, I, I can honestly look at my 
my coaching staff, um, and we ticked every single box that, that we needed to, to tick. Um, so, as I said, some, sometimes you're in control of things, sometimes you're not. So I thought the guys were in a very good space. Uh, I think we played some, some good crickets uh, over a long period of time, especially in T20 crickets. Uh, and we just, yeah, we looked a little bit flat today. Um, you know, it's not that we overtrained. I think the, our training sessions have been very short because we understand that we play a lot of cricket. But the energies weren't, didn't seem. I don't, I don't know if that's the case. As I said, I haven't spoken to the players. It just didn't seem like it was, it was quite there today. We deserve to, to be better in, in this tournament as a squad, um, but it did, didn't happen. That was outgoing South African coach Mark Boucher. Did you hear the sound of uh, players being thrown under the bus in the background during oh, yeah. that interview? I, I must admit, I didn't hear the second one, but the first one was a loud bang. I tell you, the wheels, <laughs> the wheels, the wheels didn't have to. The wheels didn't hit the second one. The third one wasn't. He didn't even get knocked over. The third one didn't even get knocked over. First person under the bus got hit hard. The next two, I tell you what, it was like a Dukes of Hazard. It was straight over the top. Missed them, missed them by miles. He could have been standing full stretch up the top, six foot high, middle of the road. Didn't even go. Mark Boucher. I love Mark Boucher. I've got a huge amount of respect for him and I played a bit with him um, for, for that World Eleven, and he was a tough, tough competitor. But I didn't like that interview, I must admit. I really didn't. I didn't enjoy I didn't enjoy that. As a coach, we might be outgoing or not, but you have some respect for the people that you've just coached, as well as the fact that, yes, man, as you know more than me, he probably will never, ever coach South Africa again. But always leave a door open. Never leave on a bad terms. I'm sure there's 15 blokes looking at Mark Boucher there and probably lost a little bit more respect for a guy who probably had a huge amount of respect for, for what he did for South Africa in the game. Temba Bavuma, by the way, um, is um, 99% certain to step down as T20 captain. I think he's the right man to captain South Africa, not only in ODI cricket, but in test cricket as well. That's been his format. He's averaged 45 in the last two years. He hasn't been scoring hundreds, but um, you know, amongst the many truths that he spoke in a, in a tearful and emotional interview, he said, I believe I've carried myself with dignity and I hold my head high. And that is an absolute um, unqualified truth. So, but, uh, he, you know, it's not his format and I don't think he'll captain the team anymore. Let's move on to the English game then. Um, so much to talk about. Uh, I'm just going to read out the list of appointments. Gareth Batty as now permanent head coach of Surrey. Well, he won the championship and that was always going to happen. He's appointed Jaden Dernbach as uh, his assistant coach, one of his assistant coaches. Darren Goff is now permanent director of cricket at Yorkshire. Graham Swan and Ian Bell to be mentors with the England Lions in the UAE. And um, I don't know how much truth there is in this, but Ryan Campbell is um, being touted as uh, a future head coach of Durham. So lots in there. Yeah, I've I heard the Ryan Campbell. I, I've seen an article. Um, Ryan Campbell and Darren Lehman were touted as Durham coaches. Both Lehman raised an eyebrow big time. I can understand the Ryan Campbell one. He's very, very close to Marcus North. But Mitch, Marcus North probably was played under Ryan Campbell. Um, and I think Marcus North might have took over from Ryan Campbell as Western Australia captain. So there is a connection there. I can understand what the connection is. I can't look beyond Neil Killeen. And I'm biased because he's obviously he's a good friend of mine. But you look at the bowlers that have gone through Durham County Cricket Club. You potentially could... In England next year, if you had an injury, you could have an England attack of Mark Wood, Bryden Cuts, Matt Potts, Ben Stokes as a, as a seam prong attack. That's come through Neil Killeen. So for me, look, I look at my local club, my club, and I spent a little bit of time there at the end, with what is, what is coming in the future from an English game point of view, where we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know if Durham win the championship, second division championship next year, they might not even be in the top division for the following season. So from that point of view, I probably would have looked this year to try and promote from within to make my pool a bit bigger. Six new rookie contracts, of which Neil Colleen's son is one of them, Mitchell. They've got some talented young boys who represented England in the 19s in that. I might have just gone with Neil Colleen for two or three years and said, right, make this pool of players, local players, bigger. And then in a couple of years' time, we sign a couple of good overseas players and all of a sudden we go back to the top where we deserve, where we should be from the sort of the, the, the sort of mid two thousand, the early to early to mid two thousand. So from that point of view, I would have gone with Neil Killeen, but it looks like we are going to have another overseas coach, which did it work last time? 
I thought James Franklin did okay. I think you've got to have somebody that knows the area. So that's why I'd, I'd probably appoint a killer, but he's my mate, so I will say that. I know Bats was frustrated having to apply for his job again after just winning the championship, but it's great to see. You know, he deserves it. Um, along with Alex Stewart, Jade Dernbatch will be a, a quality addition in Surrey have built a pool. And that would be my message to Durham. Look what Surrey have done. They've built a pool of players, whether they've shipped them in from a financial point of view. They've got somebody that knows the club inside out, who understands the club inside out. And he is getting a tune out of 16, 17 players. And we're not there yet at Durham, but we could be if you know the right if we if we put the right resources in the right way. So yeah, I'm pleased for Bats. Good luck to him with Jared and and Goffey. And if Ryan Campbell comes in at Durham, he'll do a good job because obviously all I want is Durham to to, to go well. But um, it's good to see English coaches. That's my point, Manners. Good to see English coaches. A hundred round the corner. Paul Farber is telling everybody he's looking to try and get a job in the hundred. I want to see English coaches in the 100 because I want the England cricket team to be coached by an Englishman. But at the minute, it doesn't seem to be, we, we, don't, we don't seem to want to appoint English coaches either at county level or at international level. On the subject of uh, English coaches, James Foster is the new assistant of uh, the Kolkata Knight Riders in the IPL. Farby handing out business cards uh, for 100 gigs, interesting. Are there any available apart from, well, is Welsh Fire available? Is Gary Kirsten going to keep that job with his... I'm not sure. I'm not sure, to be honest. He's got a 100% uh, record. He's got He's got a good... To be fair, he's got a consistent record as our friend Gary. He's And you feel for him because, again, I go back to what I'm talking about at Durham. Talking about Surrey. Somebody that knows the area, knows what's going on. Might bring players in from outside the area, not knowing what's going on. Coaching Glamorgan or coaching the Welsh Fire such a unique thing to do, a hard thing to do because of how patriotic cricket is in Wales. And it is, it, it's like, it is, it's their are, are own breed. You say, they say they're your own breed in the northeast, northeast of England, and Wales is the same. I tell you what, you get that right. When I first came into the game, two very, very good friends of mine, Darren Thomas and Dean Koska, you know, when they talked about you know, Will, you know, Glamorgan at the time, Viv Richards had just finished. Yeah, you know, Robert Croft, all these players. Hugh Morris was still playing at the time. Steve James. It was a core of players who you know, knew what the Cardiff and Wales was all about. And you got Welsh fire with no Welshman in it. Uh, for me, you're just asking for trouble, to be honest. And I don't think Gary Kirsten is ever going to pull any trees up there. But hey, I'd love to see English coaches get in. If Farby tries to get in, I'm, I'm over the moon to see Swanee and Belly you know, helping our young, younger players. Because, you know, Swanee is a pantomime clown sometimes. I tell you what, he, is, he has got a cricket brain on him. He is ridiculous when it comes to talking about the game of cricket. He might act the fool, but I tell you what, he's, he, he knows the game inside out. And having Belly there as well, I think it, it can only enhance a young player's education going forward because all they're doing is they're seeing greatness. Swanee was one of the greatest spinners that's ever played the game for England. Belly was one of the greatest batsmen that, that ever played the game for England. I, I think it's a, a very, very good decision by the ECB to get them involved. Yeah, some of the greatest cricketing brains can uh, disguise themselves very well by having a laugh and a joke. You and Goffey, <laughs> you and Goffey know that. Yeah, me and Goffey are that. Yeah, we were pantomime villains, never mind pantomime clowns. So, but hey, I've just come back from a golf trip with Swanee and. It's brilliant because you go with the footballers and the footballers will go, oh, Swanee, he's great fun, isn't he? I said, well, you've had him for five minutes. So you've tried to have him for six hours in the dressing room. Can you imagine spending it with that? So, But when it's come to the actual cricket side of it, the man had such a brain on him. He was brilliant and a great competitor. And I think that's why he'll enhance the, the Lions when he's, when he's out with them. And two final bits of news. West Indies fast bowler Jaden Seals has joined Sussex for the start of uh, next summer. And England women to tour the West Indies in December 22, a couple of months' time, for three ODIs and five T20s. Eight games, the first four of them will be in Antigua. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week to look back at the final week of the T20 World Cup and will also be joined by West Indian legend Sir Kirtley Ambrose. But for now, this is 
The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 